you don't know it by now, I can be a bit controversial on how I handle my business and in how I coach other designers about their business. Running a design firm or any small business for that matter is not a one-size-fits-all wrapped up in a pretty bow. It's about building the framework from the ground up and having a solid foundation that will make it recession-proof. The Design Paradigm is a comprehensive and powerful coaching program for interior designers wanting a challenge and looking to grow. It has epic twists and turns in the way you might think about business. If you are a little rebellious in thought, want to win it, avoid groupthink, don't care what others are doing, and want a sustainable business over the long haul that makes you stand out, then the design paradigm is the right place for you. We will be a partner in reimagining and refocusing your business from the ground up. Find out more at theinteriordesignparadigm.com. How do you build these solid relationships with the client when they are being threatened by their own fear? You show up every last bit of your kick butt creative self and you kick that any anxiety to the curb and you morph into brenda badass you put on your best sunday go to meeting personality shined up bright and sassy and you own it and then you create this is what you are in the business to do welcome to the damn good designer podcast join host cheryl and liz the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts. Hello, Design World. Thank you for joining us again today. I am here with Liz Omatic, and we are excited to talk to you today about a simple shift in thinking that is going to change your life. Like, never be the same again. Epic, mind-blowing change that even your spouse will notice. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. My, it takes, takes a while for my husband to notice anything. I can cut off all my hair, and he doesn't cut it. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a spouse won't, uh, won't notice, but here, here it is, okay? Have you ever had clients who, after the initial presentation, become a little quiet, a little bit nervous? You know, it's as if they were surprised when you're presenting that these plans or the concepts or whatever it is that you're presenting at that time in that presentation, it really doesn't matter what it is, you know, that represent change. That, these, that this, this creative that you're presenting to them as a creative person that they've hired, by the way, that all of a sudden, you know, they're realizing that this represents change. Oh my, the very thing they hired you to do, right? So what happened? Invariably, as designers, we might begin to doubt our work, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start to, to wonder, uh, oh gee, you know, did I not hit it? Did I not do a good intake? What, what happened here exactly? Where did we go wrong? Or what we might see often lately is people then shifting the blame to the clients that the clients are unaccepting, they're difficult, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, all the red flags and the yada, 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 you know, we might be doing that. But upon closer examination, we actually see something a little more complicated, a situation we can avoid in the future once we understand it. Creativity at its core means change. That's what it means. It means change. And with change comes two things for any of us, really. So, and your clients are no different, fear and uncertainty. And change intimidates us because it stirs up these other fears that maybe we didn't even know we had, fears of the unknown, of failure, of being different than their peers. 
you know, the clients that have to go and get, you know, Aunt Sue and Aunt Sally and Cousin Bob and all that to approve things, and of actually losing control. These concerns lead us to uh, this, this uncertainty feeling, that this feeling of, of being a little discombobulated, which in turn, of course, leads to what? Second guessing and pushback. And let's be honest, I mean, most clients are getting in touch with us because they're tired of second guessing themselves. So we don't really need to be adding fuel to that flame necessarily. We, we really don't. And, and, and that's kind of the point, I guess. You know, you're, you are there to guide them on this path that they have no experience navigating. And they're uncertain about how to make something really, you know, spectacular out of four walls and a sofa. Okay, that's or, or whatever it may be. It may be plans. You may be an architect listening. It may be the, just the plans alone. It may be a kitchen. It may be a math or whatever it is. But they don't have experience navigating this. And so that is why uh, they are contacting you. And you want to come across as being uber confident in your secret sauce and the ability to steer the client in the, in the right direction. And remember, okay, you are the one guiding them on this new journey and they are going to allow you to be the guide because you have prioritized building trust from the very, very, very first interaction that they may have with your brand or your referral or whatever the case may be. Sometimes it's easier to control the things like your website and your social media than it really is even referrals. You know, sometimes you can, you can control that messaging better. And when you do this, when you can do this and you can control this, this interaction of, and this building of trust, you can alleviate so many problems initiated by a client's very real fears. Okay, boom. That's a big secret and a tiny little sentence. You have to believe this, y'all. You really do. And more importantly, you have to understand this concept. And I don't even want to continue this episode until you're emailing me right this very second that you believe it. You are helping people by being confident on the path that you have set forth, right? That's it. Okay, so I want you to email me right now. Say yes at damngooddesigner.com. I'm going to wait for you, and I'm going to have a sip of iced tea here because it's a rainy day, and Lord knows I need my iced tea today. Go ahead, Liz. Fill in some time here, but not too much time. It's only a 30-minute show. All right, so while Cheryl's checking her email, let's talk a little bit about this. It's important to remember that when we're working with a client, we have the opportunity to present that confidence from day one and really help to not only guide them through our creative process and getting them excited, but acknowledging that change is a scary thing sometimes. And with some clients, you may sense it earlier on. Sometimes you'll know right off the bat that some of the things you're going to present are going to maybe knock their socks off. But being able to be intelligent enough to approach that with you know, some sensitivity and really address good rationale, that's how you're going to get over some of these humps with them. Okay, y'all, I'm back because we are paying Russ too much uh, to produce this, and he is a very busy guy. If you're going to be the very best designer you can be, you are going to have to challenge some norms and help a client navigate uncertainties. Okay, Liz, I really did listen to what you were saying, and you're 100% spot on with that. You know, this is being the part of being the trusted guide in this process. Building or remodeling is full of tricky mental navigations for a client. We have to accept this, right? You know, so, so this means becoming a student of human behavior to some degree. And, and, and people are weird. You know, they're just, let's face it, we're all a kind of weird 
people. I mean, we have our weird idiosyncrasies and all of that, you know, and getting inside people's heads is a bit like taking a ride on a magic mushroom, you know, and for the record, I hate mushrooms of all sort, magical or not, but I do have intel that claims it's quite the ride. So humans generally fear this unknown. Okay, and they're and they're more comfortable in the safety of what they already know, the familiar, regardless of how boring beige the familiar may be to them or how we feel about it as designers. You know, that's just the truth. And and ask yourself and, and Liz, I mean, I can ask you, how many times do we go on a new console and listen to the client say they want to replace boring design with um, even more boring design? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, this, you know, harkens back to our little catalog decorating podcast, but you know, people don't know what they don't know. They think that they can identify some new style or, you know, color palette or creative idea that, that it's going to be revolutionary for their space because that's what they've associated in their head with a good solution. But part of your working through that with them is not only helping to understand what it is that they really mean, but then growing from that, elaborating on it, mm. finding the little tiny idiosyncrasies about how they want the space to work for themselves, how they want their families and their friends to be able to interact, and then how that design can really maybe grab a hold of what they're talking about, but translate it in a different way. Because let's be honest, sometimes clients have a little bipolar design disease going on, and it can be a little tricky to really identify what they might mean by French country or you know, whether or not they really understand that the beachy version they're talking about is going to look like a rusty bucket of bolts. Yes, right, right, right. We have to be aware that the creative process we love so much and understand so well can cause this uncertainty in people and some clients. I mean, not all, of course, but some for sure. I mean, it, it just it's just, it's a reality, but we have to recognize it as designers and people do not like uncertainty and, and that the fear that it creates, they they feel uncomfortable with that, right? And then the, the, the big deal about this is that that fear creates the resistance or the pushback, but we're not always recognize it as fear because we're internalizing it. We're thinking that, you know, you don't, the client doesn't like the ideas or they don't like the concepts or whatever. I mean, I, come on now, you know that this is the truth, that there have been times where you are internalizing uh, their actual fear and you're not identifying it as what it really is, which is their fear. And, and this is when your ACE skills as a consumer behavior specialist need to come out. Look at me. I just gifted y'all all with another hat to wear, right? <laughs> you know, I, I know designers sometimes do not want to think about this, um, the, the motivation behind the experiences, whether they're good or they're bad, they have in their business. You know, it's more work to have to think about it. It's more work to have to, to be this behavior, consumer behavior specialist. It really is. You know, who wants to do that? We already have so many things to do. But this is how you go from being good to great to award-winning in this journey. And in even more importantly, what we have found is that this acknowledgement uh, really can help us guide us, you know, change things for a client and it eliminates many problems with the client management in general and securing that big yes, please on the presentation day with a really excited client ready to trust the process. Absolutely. I think something to consider here too is that, you know, oftentimes if we feel like there's maybe a quiet pause or there's a client who doesn't quite resonate with what it is that we're presenting, it becomes like, I don't know, almost like offensive, like like how could they possibly not like this idea because we've come up because with this we're great thing for them. It. Yeah, because yeah, you're internalizing and, it. And there's no, you know, of course, I mean, there might be instances where maybe you didn't hit the mark or, or whatever it happens to be, but in the grand scheme of things, 
it's not quite fair to really make it about that because then you start to taint that whole relationship with the client when really you can use it more as an opportunity to foster a closer relationship, to understand them better and to acknowledge what it is that they have their fears about. You know, these are all very real things. People live in their space and operate in their space every day. They might have been, you know, having the same sofa from college or it was handed down to their mom. Who knows? Right, but right. But being exactly. able to really look at this is important. Right, absolutely, too. I, I, I agree with that. I, I, I think, too, though, that we need to focus on the fact of who we are, you know, the sort of the, the dynamic of a creative you know, what, what is that dynamic of a creative? You know, we're, we're risk takers. You know, we ask why. Uh, we may challenge, you know, strongly held beliefs about, you know, everything. What's up, what's down, you know, whatever. And you're bringing ideas to challenge the standard way of thinking or approaching a particular design dilemma. A good designer is anything but standard. And we have to fight hard for this creativity, y'all, because as much as we want to may think that the creative process is valued and sometimes clients really, you know, again, this is the dichotomy of this is that clients are coming to you for that creative process. They're coming to you for that. And then all of a sudden they're, they're, they're putting the brakes on, you know, but as much as this is valued, it gets tossed to the side when the big B word budget, you know, can come into play or when clients are just wanting to get it done, you know, especially uh, if it's, if it's something that they're uncomfortable with and, and this fear takes over and then there's a lot of anxiety. You know, there was a, um, there was a poll years ago and I, for the life of me, cannot remember, uh, you know, where it was or anything else, but it was of, of CEOs, you know, of businesses all over the place where they were identifying creativity as the single most important leadership trait for success. And of course, you know, I loved that quote um, and I don't have an attribution for it. I, I wish I would. I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes, but it was something really, I, I just really resonated with me that the single most important leadership trait for success is creativity. But as creatives, we, 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 we tend to be these flexible people. We, we tolerate a bit of uh, ambiguity and recognize that it's all part of the creative process. You know, change comes naturally to us, but, but forward thinking and innovative ideas can be rejected just because the client is being pushed out of their comfort zone. And, and that's exactly what happens. I'm telling you that probably half your problems you have with clients, if they push back on anything, even just a lamp, that you know is going to be really awesome, but yet they're pushing back on it. A lot of time is that it may not be a lamp that they recognize, or they may not have that kind of lamp in their house now, that type of thing. And, and we know that people in general will stick their heads in the sand and carry on doing the same old, same old things to, to avoid this, this uncomfortable feeling that they can have when something is unfamiliar to them. You know, I mean, ask yourself, how long uh, did it take you or why did it take you so long to jump in design if you had a different job? If you're, if you're not coming from the traditional method of uh, schooling and then all that business and then going into, you know, you've, you've always had the same career, think about it. Why did it take you so long to jump in design if you had a different job? Probably because, you know, you were a little bit uh, fearful. It had a little bit of fearfulness in it, you know, it, and, you know, this is the kind of thing, this is no different really than the fear that holds us all back at one time or another. And this is when you have to put on your cute little wilderness guide uniform, your Girl Scout uniform or your Boy Scout uniform or whatever the heck, and ensure you have a very solid level of trust prior to the first time you really prepare to blow their socks off with your awesome creative self. Get all that rationale organized because I feel like a lot of times addressing the things that you've mentioned, Cheryl, the, you know, the budget conversations or concerns, the timeline logistics that really put pressure on clients. These are the type of things that if you 
go into the presentation knowing the type of things you're going to have to combat. You can make sure that you speak to them in an intelligent way, but still present a really, really yes. great concept for them to get on board with. Yes, absolutely. So, so, so let's talk a little bit about solutions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much on the solution, you know, kick these days, you know, we're like, let's just, let's just solve the problem. Hello, let's just solve the problem. Um, so what's the solution? You know, it, it, being empathetic, uh, I think is something that should be taught, you know, in school, you know, this empathy, um, an empathy to your client's worldview, whatever that worldview is, you know, of their life. Are you getting to know them well enough to really understand, uh, you know, where they're coming from and be able to relate to that? And, and also understanding the psychology I'm talking about to some extent too. You know, when you know this is a thing, you can introduce new ideas slowly. You know, you can give a client time to acclimate to the suggesting changes to what they already know. Remember, I know and you know that this is why they hired you in the first place. Yeah, that is, again, the dichotomy here. But if you guide them with some element of familiarity, you know, don't go in full guns a blazing and change every single element, even if it really, really needs it. You know, there's just lots of ways to handle this when you are savvy enough to understand it yourself. And that is what I'm trying to get through. This is the, the, the epiphany here that really is the education you do not get in school is how to be empathetic to your client's fears that they are going to present. And what do you do about it? So I, I, I'm going to give you an example. And Liz, help me out with this if I, I think about it, because I know you have examples too, because we talked about it in the pre-show of, of all of this. And, and a couple of times, you know, Liz mentioned a, a client. I'm like, oh my God, you're right. We did that there too. Because it becomes so much part of your DNA of doing this. And a lot of you who are really awesome designers and, and have no issues with client management or none of these problems that, you know, you may already understand this and be doing it without even realizing it. But it's good to have an awareness of it for that client that's really awesome that you thought was going to be so incredible. All of a sudden, you're going, I'm 20 years in, and now I got this client that's doing this. What do I do? So here's an example that I thought about because Libby just yesterday texted me pictures from the job site. And all these cool things were going in. And some of these cool things were things that we introduced slowly and a little bit differently in the approach with this particular client because we had worked with her before. She's very traditional in style. And this project is so interesting. It's really a cool one. I hope I get a chance to talk about it more. But it is a converted old uh, building. It was a bank downtown. Um, and there's going to be two, two units in it. And it's got big storefront glass and a balcony. And it's going to be great for parades and Mardi Gras and all that kind of thing. And we really envision some more, let's just say, non-traditional elements in this. But, you know, uh, and that, but that would be a hard sell with her. Okay. And she trusts us without a doubt. This client trusts us. We have worked on some big projects with her and all that, but she's very strong in her commitment to traditional style. So we, you know, we've all had these clients, you know, you wish for them to embrace creative or innovative options a bit more, you know, than the same old, but you know, you, you've still got to respect, you know, what they want. So when designing uh, some of the elements in here, uh, but I'm going to talk about the powder room, we wanted something to uh, a really interesting sink. It's kind of an unusual shaped uh, powder room because of what I needed to accommodate and the rest of it because I designed the plans of it as well and uh, or, or her side anyway her unit and um, we wanted this really we wanted to make this a really kick butt powder bathroom because I personally think that that is one place that everyone is going to go and visit when they come to see you is 
It's a powder bathroom. You know, if I come over to your house, I can guarantee you before I leave, even if it's 30 minutes, I'm going to be in that powder bathroom. So I think it needs a little to be elevated. So, and that's the way Liz thinks too and Libby. And so that's kind of our philosophy on that. So there was no cabinet or anything like that. We didn't want that. We wanted a more modern interpretation of a freestanding all-in-one sink. But is she going to put the big kibosh on anything modern? You know, yeah, she probably would say, "Uh uh-uh, no, Cheryl, no can do all of that. You know, let's do something with marble or whatever. So do, do you go in and do we abandon our envision? Do we, do we not think that we can do anything else? No, no. What you do is you introduce something familiar in the room. You soothe that fear of stepping outside that familiar box. In this case, we found a stunning sink from Thompson Traders. I mean, an absolute fabulous sink, so beautiful, uh, crafted. It's one piece. It, it's like this column. I don't even know really how to describe it. Um, it's called the tux pan, right, Liz? The tux pan, isn't that what it's? Mm-hmm. Tux pan or... I may be saying that, butchering the name completely and totally, but that is what it is. And it's, it's this just gorgeous, and it's copper, okay? So because copper is a traditional element, that's how we sold her on it. But there's nothing traditional about this sink, not at all. It is not. I wish that this was visual right now because then I would be able to show you how else we did for her 15 years ago versus like the sink and you would get it. You know, you would get it. But I knew that she loved copper and copper is, uh, you know, it can be modern or traditional. But in her mind, she relates that to being more traditional. So the client accepted this connection um, because it is copper. And, but what we did is we introduced this familiar element, and this familiar element helps clients with their fear of something different. I mean, this works. And again, you may be doing this without even thinking about it, but actually understanding why you're doing this is what I'm here to sort of help with this consumer psychology, because the next time you may not think about it in the in the same way. So Liz, you talked about um, a couple of other projects too that I hadn't even thought about. So give that example here. Yeah, we identify a lot of times in our um, internal design direction meetings where clients may say like, I don't want this or I don't want that. And they're very, very adamant and they seem opposed to it. But sometimes they don't want it because they don't really know why. They think it's trendy or they don't really have a good example of why it doesn't work for them. It's not familiar. That's why. It's just not familiar to them. Right. So um, in this particular instance, we were working with clients on a couple different spaces to get the initial schematics sorted out for their home. And in the kitchen space, the client was very, very adamant. She did not want any open shelves. And it took a little bit of time. You know, we did 3Ds of actually two concepts because we really wanted to explain the benefits, the potential benefits of being able to open the space up a little bit more. And I don't know, it maybe took two weeks, maybe three weeks, but she finally sent the email saying that the concept she liked better actually had the open shelves. It also had a beautiful second window that Cheryl used to kind of balance the symmetry of a nice big vignette with the hood. It made such a difference on the overall style of the kitchen. And she totally had no more reason anymore to be concerned about the cabinetry or not having enough storage. And it became a great little space for right. her to display artwork from her travels. Right. So and, and, even and, though and, sometimes people think they don't want it, you have to kind yeah. of consider that there might be a good idea that they just don't understand. Right. And, and I think in, in her case, Liz, it, and just to, for you guys to, to, to know, it's not like we were saying, oh, we want open shelves because that's just the cool thing. You know, I mean, obviously people do open shelves every single day. Um, She did not not want to do it because it was trendy. The reason, the rationale from a design point of view is that we needed, it was a very long wall, a very long wall. And we wanted it to be all tile. And I wanted to put 
where there was one window, the ubiquitous one window over the sink, I wanted to balance this very long wall with another window to bring more light into this house as a second floor kitchen because it was on pilings. And that wall really needed to be open with tile. But she was never going to go for not having any kind of storage or anything on there. And it would have looked kind of silly with just all tile and nothing else. Um, and this is also eight foot ceiling. So there was a design rationale about it. It was not about really the open shelves per se or, or you know, just like we want this trendy thing, you know, that's open. It wasn't about that. It was, it was to visually open the space like Liz was was saying. So I wanted to kind of address that, that it's not just like we're trying to talk her into it. And in her case, Liz, I think um, unlike with uh, the other client from downtown that we're talking about, that was really introducing that concept, that idea, that solve for that problem was uh, the problem of the pushback that we anticipated was giving her something familiar to uh, to that related to the overall design. In this particular case of this client you're talking about, it was really more about giving her time to adjust. Okay, so these are different tactics, and that's what I'm trying to get across here of how to address this. And in the second client, we we just we just said, and I think I even said in an email, like you know, let's just not worry about that right now because it didn't matter. We were trying to get them to approve all the other elements so that we could start the project and get bids and all of that sort of thing. I really wasn't worried whether we were going to slap some cabinets on that wall or if she was going to go with our our design idea. And also because Libby did such beautiful renderings of it, I think that really helped too. So that's another way to be able to show clients if you're not doing renderings, it's a great way to show clients really what is um you know what it can look like uh, but 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 see here's the thing again Cheryl the psychologist you know that I really probably should have been uh is um what you have to understand enough about all of this what I'm talking about here in this in this particular episode because you have to be able to address it with that client you know if if we had just introducing something familiar with this particular client, that wasn't really the issue. You know, her her fear was it moving too fast and her not getting something familiar. Like, I, oh my God, no, everybody puts upper cabinets on a wall. What are you talking about, Cheryl? You know, of course I'm going to have upper cabinets because everybody does that. Well, we all know that that's just the same old thing that everyone does. So she needed some time to be able to uh, to accept sort of this idea. And sometimes I think you need to not push for for having a, an answer right now. No, you have to decide right now because we really didn't need that answer at that moment. And by giving her time and some grace to come around to it and showing her those those elements of design in 3D and renderings, that really helped, you know? And, and so, you know, kind of getting back to the psychology of it, um, creativity begs us to do something different. You know, we need to look at the everyday with an eye to what is not there as much as what is there, right? Right? You know, and and, and sometimes I think that it's really, it's, it's risky, even for us as designers to go against what is accepted. That doesn't bother me in the least little bit, but I know it bothers other designers sometimes because, you know, of all the pro proliferation of all the catalog decorating uh, that was in podcast, whatever episode it was. I don't remember when it was, but whatever we talked about with that, it's, so I know that designers are doing it too. They are, they are uh, acquiescing to a client's fear of creativity sometimes. And when that budget gets squeezed, you know, a client might have second thoughts. We, we totally get it. And it's safer for you and for them to be a conformist. It's easier, really. 
you know, and, and the big kick in the pants is it's almost always cheaper too. So you have that working against you, you know, when you're really coming up with creative ideas. And, and I think that because society places such a value on conformity and following these established norms and rules and all that, it often it discourages people from actually exploring their own creative impulses or being open to seeing things that challenge their bias, you know, and the bias is there. The bias is there, whether we all want to admit it or not, the bias is there. And so part of this might be on your client, but part of it might be on you, okay? And then I think when these creative ideas don't conform to an idea of what design uh, people see, you know, again, I'm talking designers or clients right now, what they see out there, that too many designers will do this. They will hide before behind sort of a defeatist attitude. And Liz can tell you, we, we had this happen with our own team sometimes. You know, we have to push them. They, they hide behind this uh, defeatist attitude, but that's what the client wanted. You know, and really it's kind of petulant. I mean, God forbid that you work for us and say that. You know, because again, you, you know, you may be thinking, well, Cheryl, you know, you're there to please the client. And, it's the, and, and a lot of designers in these forums, Liz will say, uh, Liz doesn't go into the forums like I do, so I have to always remind her of these things. But they will say things like, well, you know, that's your job is to deliver whatever the client wants. Actually, no. No, actually, that's not our job. Our job is to help the client. Our job is to be the guide on this journey for the client. You know, our job is not to be petulant, you know, and, and then give up trying to show the client uh, anything but that what is you know, accepted or normative or whatever, right, Liz? I mean, don't you think? Absolutely. And I don't, I, you know, I think that it's very limiting to think that we would expect clients to show up on our doorstep knowing everything that they need and just being here to show for them to, you know, getting to that. A lot of what it is that we have to cultivate in the experience that we provide and in the service that we cater to is amplifying that idea, is really turning it yes. into something that's beyond the parameters of what they can think of or dream of. And so many amplifying. of our clients speak to that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I love that, that amplifying. I, I really do. I think that is, uh, that's like, a, that's a perfect word for it, Liz. It really is. And I think that um, when, you, when you realize that creativity is, is pretty subjective, right? It's, it's pretty subjective. Uh, not everyone will appreciate or understand a particularly creative idea or expression. I mean, sometimes I have what I think are very creative ideas and my team may not understand it. Sometimes I have to sell them on it, you know, because I, I do, uh, you know, I am a little out of the box sometimes. Sometimes I'm maybe like too far out of the box. I don't know. But your clients may fear the, the criticism uh, because of the fact that they, they're this fear, they may fear that criticism or, or a, like a peer rejection for creating a home that is what their neighbors might call out there also, or that has some wild thing like, um, you know, wallpaper on the ceiling, like we did with um, Anne's uh, foyer ceiling to give this like dinky little ceilings a little bit of, of gravitas, you know, in that mm -hmm. room and put black grass cloth on it. And it was really great. And, and, and she was very embracing of anything different. Uh, but in her neighborhood, that, that really traditional old school type of neighborhood where people have lived forever and they hand their homes down to their kids and all that, that may look to be a little crazy for some people. And I think that what we have to do is, is really embrace the creative thought process about it and looking at something um, besides uh, what is accepted or like what our clients may think is accepted um, because this leads to new and unfamiliar uh, experiences. Um, you know, and, and, and that is, 
when, when we look at it and we look at it from the psychological point of view, we can help them understand and accept, you know, this, this, you know, new idea and lead them, but it can be scary for people. That that's the point here is it, you really have to understand this psychology because this is navigating a lot of fear for people who tend to stick to the tried and the true. And there's nothing wrong if that's what they want. Ultimately, if that's what they want and you go through all this, I always say to people, look, I'm going to, you know, say it three times, you know, three times I'm going to give you, I'm going to really fight hard for a decision from a design perspective. But after that, if you really want this you know, these cabinets painted pink and purple with polka dots, then by golly, we are going to make them the best pink and purple polka dotted cabinets you have ever seen in your entire life. And then we're going to try to adjust all the elements around it to work with those pink and purple polka dots. But I give it three times, you know, I give it three times before I'm really, uh, you know, going to um, give up on it. And, and the thing about it is, I think, Liz, is that that we have a lot of this we do without thinking um, it through, like a lot of the actions, uh, the, when we were talking about this before um, on the way mm -hmm. in to do the podcast recording, we, we talked about it and, I, and you said a few examples. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly, we, we did it there, you know, too. And, and this, this, this fear that clients have is something a designer, a damn good designer has to overcome. You know, these habitual practical choices are not threatening to anyone's world of, uh, there's anyone view of themselves, right? You know, it, it's not threatening that. Um, but, but the truth is, is that people still want to fit in. They, they, they do. They just want to fit in. I mean, you know, having open shelves or having a copper, beautiful modern sink is not talking about you as a person, but sometimes clients tend to, to relate it to that because they're so afraid of being rejected by somebody else. Uh, you know, their, their peers or, or other people are, are being different than, you know, what other people have, um, or even just it within themselves, you know, rejecting or not rejecting, but not, um, not going with the same thing they've always done. You know, that's, that's what I'm talking about. And a lot of people, uh, let's face it, just they, they want to fit in uh, rather than taking that risk of standing out in some way, you know, or another. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, we have some clients that Cheryl has been working with for, you know, well over 10, some of them 15 years now. And you can tell that they have such a comfort and a trust in knowing that no matter what it is that we're going to present, chances are they're going to say yes to. We love those type of presentations, yes, of course. Yes, we do. We love those. We love those. We value but highly. We always want to come at it from a perspective of really finding whatever that new verve is going to be. And there has to be something that is driving the design. You know, we have to be able to rationalize the choices that we want to make or the offset that we want to play in terms of color or pattern. Those type of things are all what help to sort of navigate people through the concern about the change yes. and the concern about the things that they're fearful for, because it helps them make sense of it. It helps them understand where it is that our heads are going and how it is that we visualize it, even if they can't quite visualize it themselves. Yes, that, that's exactly right. And this is why people need us in the first place, right? Uh, but, but, you know, the choices that promote the safe mediocrity are, are a default position. And, and sometimes people just don't have the energy to pull themselves out of that default position, I think. And, and they oh, don't yeah. always know. It's so much know. easier to sit where you are. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Right. Let, let's be honest. I mean, we all would do that in, in some other, you know, method of our, or some other aspect of our lives and that kind of thing. And they don't always know that they need you because they don't always know they're playing it safe. See, they don't always realize that, that they're playing it safe and that actually change is, is a good thing. And creativity represents, you know, a lot of change. And, and sometimes I think this is tied 
to the lack of confidence in a client. Like maybe they're just not a confident person in their own thoughts and ideas and that sort of thing in the first place. Um, definitely not a- enough to challenge, you know, something that uh, goes against what they have, what they're used to or, or, or whatever. And we've, we've had clients like this, uh, you know, mm-hmm. many times, you know, we, we, have clients also that just say, bring it, bring it on, Cheryl, Liz, give us whatever, you know, your ideas are. We want to see all of the wild and crazy, but there's always clients that are like, whoa, I don't, I don't know about that. But I think this confidence has to start with you. Okay. It has to start with you. And if you have to be able to adequately establish that you are this trusted guide in the design adventure, build that trust and prepare the clients for forging the new ground and be able to really address their fears in, in some of the ways that uh, depending on what that fear really may be emanating from, you know, really address those fears in some way or another. That's what I think. We did um, a project just this last year that was for someone local on the beach. And it was a great example of exactly this where, you know, there were a lot of instances where all of a sudden there were these friends who had all this feedback about what it is that she should or shouldn't do or how it should be or how it shouldn't be. And you do find yourself sometimes in those instances being like, you know, listen to me. I'm the Why one did you hire has... us in the first place? You know, yeah. that's what you're thinking. You don't say that, of course. That's what you're thinking. Right. But yeah, you're you're right, I... Liz. In that in that example, that's that's another that's another one. There's another one. Yeah, and you you do have to just slow down. There, you know, there are so many instances where she would call and and she would say, you know, this or that, and you do have to kind of slow down and just bring the people back to where it is that you started from. You know, bring them back to what it is that they were talking about that they wanted. Bring them back to the fact that you have this beautiful portfolio that you have worked with clients in all different capacities on. And just because the design isn't exactly what they maybe would have envisioned for themselves, part of what it is that you're trying to help them accomplish is this experience of something that is new and that really fits their space. And it's not really their job to have to know what it's going to be. That's what they've put their trust in us for. So if sometimes it does take trust. a long, long time for people to come around. Um, but I think that we always are sort of looking to help make sure that people feel that sort of cushion, that we're there, that we can talk it through, that we can revisit it, we can look at the fabrics again, whatever it happens to be, because we want them to feel that it's all going to be okay, that the change is going to be good, and that we feel yeah. good about it too. Right, right. And I think in that particular case, that's a, another good example of, um, and, and really, honestly, that job, that took on too long. And I, I know this person personally, and it took longer than it really should have. So, so that's the problem is that you have to decide, you know, is this a good, if this is going to be a problem, is this a good project for me or not? You know, do I, do I have the time to wait? And I think that, you know, for me, I would go over there, Liz might call me and say, okay, you need to do a well baby check, you know, or something and say, okay. So I would go over there and I'd be like, you know, okay, look, you know, this is the thing to do. This is the right decision here and that's it. But my confidence level was 100%, you know, 100%. And especially because I knew this person personally, you know, well, and I'm like, look, what am I going to do? You know, I've been around for 23 years. You think I'm going to lead you astray? And it's really because not trying to get her to change her mind, y'all, it's not like that because some people are going, well, I don't, if my client doesn't want to do it, then I'm not going to do it. It's not like that. It was making decisions based on faulty information on her part. And a lot of that is because her her chosen tribe was not always condoning stepping out of what is uh, you know what was generally accepted that they thought 
she might need to do, okay? And, right. and that, becomes, that becomes like, really, if I didn't know this person and love this person to death, I, I would have seen that you know, coming. I did see that coming. I knew it because I know some of the people <laughs> she was talking to. But, it, but I would have uh, you know, dealt with that um, maybe in a different way if it wasn't somebody I love to pieces and who isn't a fabulous uh, client, a fabulous person. So we got to where we needed to go is, mm-hmm. is the point, but it was, it was not without a few obstacles a to of- overcome. A lot of yeah, and, coddling and, along the way. <laughs> yeah, there was a little coddling, you know, here and there. But I think that that's what someone needed. I think there was an emotional mm-hmm. thing for her. And in her case, I, I think the fear was uh, based on emotion. You know, it was it was an emotional response more so than just being, uh, you know, afraid. It was emotional on her end to, that she did not want to uh, go against what other people were saying. But it, it's not so much that. I mean, that that you know, sort of contributed to it, but it was really just the emotion of losing what she had before and not just updating it. But it really needed to be done, y'all. That That's, you know, part of the of the issue here. And uh, I think being afraid of venturing out of the familiar is not really uncommon for anybody or, or venturing out of, of your comfort zone because this is what you had and why do I need to change that? You know, just slap some paint on it and make it look good or whatever because we're social animals. And we all have that need to belong to a tribe of some sort. And I think that that's part of what happens with a lot of clients is, is that if, oh, you, if you can't, yeah, if you can't handle it. So the, the, I guess the idea though is, is that you have to have that confidence. And there is something that, um, that I, uh, we don't have time to go into, but there's something that is technically known as neophobia, and that's a fear of new things. So look that up and, and read about it, because I've written about this a couple of times in different, different areas, and it's kind of fascinating to really, to really think about it. You know, do you have anything mm-hmm. else to add to that, Liz, before we wrap it up with our damn good truth? Oh, I mean, I think it's just always good to be sure that you're challenging yourself too. you know, stepping outside of your normal box and making sure that you're really doing the, the hard work on the front end for your client, because it can make such a difference in the performance of the project overall and what you can say for yourself by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very true. And just what I want to do is encourage people to put that one more hat on your list of hats that you have to wear, which is a, uh, a little bit of consumer psychology. I have studied uh, behavioral psychology and, and why people do what they do for 30 plus years. It's a, it's, it's, yes, it's a hobby, I would say. That's what my husband says. It's a hobby and it, it kind of is a hobby because I think that it, it, it does inform my work, but I'm also fascinated by it uh, in general. So that's just what I think. And I, and I do, do really, I can give you, we could sit here if we had several hours uh, and give you all kinds of examples of exactly how what we're talking about today has manifested and what we did about it. And when I see these things in the forums and these, these problems with clients and all of that, I, I want to say to them, they are afraid, people. They have fear, people. They are afraid. Find out what they are afraid of and then address that in some way or another. You know, don't just call them a red flag or call them a difficult client or whatever. You know, maybe they are, maybe they're not. My experience, and we, we do a lot of business here, okay? We do a lot of business. Business, and I've been doing it for 23 years, but my experience is there's very few really difficult people out there that can't be overcome when you recognize what it is that they're afraid of, okay? So here's our damn good truth. You might've thought that was it, but here it is now. How do you build these solid relationships with the client when they are being threatened by their own fear? You show up 
every last bit of your kick butt creative self. And you kick that any anxiety to the curb and you morph into Brenda Badass. You put on your best Sunday go to meeting personality, shined up bright and sassy, and you own it. And then you create. This is what you are in the business to do. You are a creative whiz bang and a rainmaker, and dang it, they hired you to make it freaking rain, glorious inspiration and joy all over the place, right? Isn't that what they did? And then you're gonna have to lead. You are the expert in the room. They called you, they want you. And nothing is more attractive than confidence. So showing this confidence, this is the candy apple cocktail for your clients, truly. Because who really wants to follow the guy out of the burning building who is hemming and hawing about which way to go? Do you wanna do that? I certainly don't wanna follow that guy out of the building. I'm gonna follow that person that knows exactly where that exit door is, okay? That's what I'm gonna do. And ultimately, your clients don't wanna follow the person out of the burning building that is also hemming and hawing about which way to go, all right? Or not realizing what their real fear is. And then lastly, you're going to differentiate. Don't hide behind this, but that's what they wanted, shield that lets you off the hook of doing the work to build the relationships, establish trust so that you can introduce new and exciting ideas that yes, might be a little scary to them, but you're gonna navigate with them together on this. You know, so, so you can get them over the hump once you know what this fear is, okay? And that it is real to them. And it's not a client simply being difficult. Considering the motivations behind all of consumer behavior, this, this study, and yes, yes, I know I'm a little bit of a nut about it, but, but understanding these motivations takes work and it takes understanding and it takes a little bit of study and it's not something that is taught in school. It just isn't, not, not in design school anyway, and it really should be. You know, and sometimes it's hard to accept. It really is, it's hard to accept. But savvy business owners understand this is the challenge. This is your challenge to sustained growth and maintaining longevity over, like I have, 23 years. That's it. Okay, thank you so much for spending this time with us and we hope to see you back next time for another good topic. Don't forget to drop us a review if you are so inclined and take a peek at damngooddesigner.com if you want more information about anything that we do or maybe we're gonna be resurrecting that blog eventually or something like that. So check it out and let us know what you think of the podcast. We really appreciate it. We're still new at this. So we wanna hear from you. We really do. Thank you. Bye y'all. Until next time, stay bold, stay inspired and keep embracing your bag girl spirit. If you've enjoyed today's show, head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter.